0: It'll just be you, me, and Nick. And you always
1: get
2: all the answers. It's time for the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis and Nick Verzolini.
3: It's close to midnight and something evil's lurking in the dark under the moonlight you see a sight that almost stops your heart you try to scream
0: Welcome into this special Halloween edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV10, brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Spencer Punick verselini and Dylan Bishop here on this spooky Monday here at Talk Radio WRNR. Happy Halloween, everybody. Dylan in the Halloween spirit with a ghost
3: hat. Yeah, I got a little ghost on my hat here. Wearing an orange hoodie. Yeah. for like repping, repping, the, repping the WNBA,
1: the the black mm. and orange combo black exactly and orange combo
3: exactly yeah go os uh
0: happy halloween everyone hope everybody has a safe halloween tonight uh we've got a lot to talk about on today's show colin uh colin decided to run errands today and not be on today's show just kidding we let him we let him go with dylan coming on the show well, i'm
3: hearing he's got a lot We'll to be do
0: on numbers. for monday night mayhem i wish i could say i knew we had something up our sleeves tonight but uh I don't know that we have something up our seats. I heard Colin does. He could. Um, I don't know. He's showing up as you. (laughs) All right, let's get into some high school football talk. We'll Mm -hmm. start with the game that we had for you on TV10, talk rated WRNR, was Jefferson at Hedgesville. Uh, What thought was going to be a pretty good matchup turned out to be a blowout in win for Jefferson.
3: Yeah, Jefferson looked really impressive, particularly quarterback Dylan Herrick. I think I I didn't personally go into that game expecting the kind of passing output that he had because he even referred to himself as a guy who's you know more of a runner of the football who's trying to get better at passing the ball in his first season as the starter. Not even you know going this entire year as the full you know full on one hundred percent starter when they had him splitting at the beginning of the year but he's come he's come along and he was making some really good throws against that hedgesville defense and the thing that went wrong for the eagles was obviously in right before halftime quarterback jackson Rewest getting hurt missing the second half you know we'll, we'll see if he's able to play in this regular season finale coming up on friday but jefferson looked really impressive and they were able to get that win to kind of boost themselves up in the pl- in the playoff rankings a little bit, and potentially ending Hedgesville's playoff chances. But when we'll have to see when the playoffs, uh, you know, when the rankings come out tomorrow, tomorrow at two p.m. Right tomorrow, it's because I mean, who knows what the, how the rest of the state the results went there that they might still be able to have a chance if they win their final game.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh... Hedgesville kind of showed that it's not quite ready to compete with the top three teams in the EPAC, being Jefferson, Musselman, and Martinsburg. And obviously, a, a kind of a split between Martinsburg, Musselman, and Jefferson there in terms of Martinsburg being in almost it its own category there. Right. But, uh, you know, those other teams in Jefferson and Musselman have proven to be pretty consistent teams that uh, have beaten up on some of the. Other EPAC schools, so when you look at it that way, it's not super surprising that Hedgesville wasn't very competitive on Friday night, um, based on what we've seen this season and how competitive Jefferson was with Musselman. Gave you that kind of indication that Jefferson could pull away and beat up on Hedgesville, but it did have that opportunity there with Hedgesville being a bit more healthy to potentially make things closer, and that didn't happen. So we'll see if the Eagles can still find a way into the playoffs, but. Obviously, that win for Jefferson pretty much puts them in. Yeah, uh, They just got to take care of business this week against Washington, which uh, which well, should be which easy happen. for them to do.
0: And, yeah. you know, if you see that there is uh, unofficial SSAs, there's somebody's rankings. I don't know how close they are to the numbers that are out, and it does show Hedgesville gets barely squeaks in at 16, which, I mean, we talked about it on the pregame show and kind of leading up to last week. They were .06 out of 16th as, what was it, Oak Hill? It was at 16, and they were .06 behind them. So, I mean, even with the loss, we said, there was a shot for them to jump to 16. Right,
3: 15 and 16 were playing against each other. Yes, right.
0: but uh, as pointed out in the comments, that Hedgesville... In the presumptive ratings, they are in at sixteen. Right, uh, but you know, you know, you never know. Yeah, you're
1: going to get some bonus win or yeah. bonus
0: points for the teams that did win. But still, you never know what the official rankings say, and then what they change to because uh, the original ones that came out on Tuesday were not what they actually were come Friday night uh, because uh, Jefferson had thirteenth by themselves, I believe, heading like when they first were released Tuesday afternoon. And then by the time Friday night came around, I went to double-check things right before we went on the air. And they were tied for 13th, I believe, with university. So I don't know how those mathematical numbers work themselves out during the week. I'd like to know. That would be something interesting to know how it changes from 2 p.m. Tuesday until Friday when nobody's played a game. But that is what it is. Uh, this was a 54-7 to victory for Jefferson. And one thing that you talk about, is you have to mention, is that Jackson Rewest, Hurt had to leave the game uh, with an injury right before, well, I guess at halftime, but you could see it was on the offensive drive right before halftime, and he gutted it out for the final few defensive plays.
3: Right, yeah, I mentioned that. That, was, that was basically, in, in, it just entirely changed what Hedgesville could do in the second half. I mean, they went. the other thing that happened in that game, it was 12-7 to 7 with only two minutes left before halftime, and then there was a quick score by Jefferson. They only took one minute off the clock. Then Ruess threw a an interception uh, on the very first play of the next offensive drive, Jefferson then went scored a touchdown on their first play of their drive, so two touchdowns right before the half. and then they got the ball to start the second half. And they, they weren 't able to add on another touchdown until their second possession of, of the second half. But <clears> the <throat> difference ended up being that essentially early in the third quarter, it went from a 12 to seven to, I think it was 30, 32, 34 to 7 in the blink of an eye. So, Hedgesville, and at that point, Ruess was out. He was gone for the game. He was on the sideline in street clothes. So, it was was really hard to come back at that point.
0: It was really hard to come back at that point. And, and, you know, one thing that I want to mention, but not mention too much, is that uh, there was a lot of people frustrated with uh, some parts of the game that weren't the players on the field. It was the officials on the field. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, we saw Coach Faircloth. He stayed out to talk to Colin after we took a break. Yeah. And that was a good four or five minutes after halftime had started.
3: Yeah, there was a touchdown caught by Tanner Matthew that was originally ruled a touchdown, and then uh, the call was changed. Uh, It looked like a touchdown on the field. uh, You know, they have have better angles than we do, so who knows. Then there was a safety taken off uh, the board uh, after that, following a punt down to the one-yard line, so – it is what it is. Yeah. The guys out there are human. Um, I, wanna give I don't
1: think those made the difference in the game. No. But it would have given Hedgesville a little bit more momentum there. And based on what I saw on our camera angle, it looked like a touchdown to me. Uh, but, again, I can't see the other side yeah. of the play to know if he did maintain the catch. And then the safety, I thought they had the right call after they took it off the board. Yeah. I thought that, that was the correct call. I
0: want to give a quick shout-out to uh, – Spencer Powell, receiver for Jefferson, he made a few amazing catches, and uh, he wanted to get himself on uh, Metro News' top plays of the week. So he uh, took our video and shouted us out there. And then I believe Coach Neil Powell is his dad. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but he's an assistant for Jefferson. He said we were shocked. That's just a regular Tuesday at practice for us.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's but so in, in our man.
0: defense, where we are in the press box. We couldn't see if the ball got in his hands.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're far away. They're closer than we are. I was just more
0: shocked that the ball was on line to reach his hands because I couldn't see where the ball was. I couldn't see if a defender's hands were near his hands. It wasn't that I was shocked that he caught it. I've seen him make a couple catches on, on Twitter before I've seen catches. But I was more shocked that the ball came down in his hands because I didn't see the trajectory of the ball from our angle in the press box. Right. But yeah. uh he made a couple great catches in that ball game. And uh you know, we saw a lot of different players from Jefferson make some make some catches in the ballgame.
3: Yeah, Keyshawn Robinson didn't play in this game. No. So you had guys like Which he was
0: on track to play on Wednesday right. when we went to go talk to Coach Hunter, and you heard that in the pregame interview.
3: Yeah, and it was guys like Orin Humphreys that really stepped up, had interceptions on yeah. defense, made plays on offense. And then Evan Toole eventually running the ball ended up getting himself a pretty good stat line on the day, even though the first half was kind of a struggle for him. But I think it was all around really good performance by Jefferson, and it's really you know something that they can build on, play in Washington this week, then go into the playoffs on a winning streak with some good momentum.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about another game here in the panhandle that we did not see on Friday. Kind of score uh, wasn't a little closer was that number 9 Bridgeport took down number 5 Musselman 62 to 21. Musselman now 6 and 3 on the year and Bridgeport 7 and 2.
3: Yeah, that that game was 21 yeah. 21 at one point and I believe at halftime it was 28 21 Bridgeport but then they obviously just laid the hammer down. and
1: I think at halftime it ended up being 42-21. Is that what it
3: was? Yeah, one point in the second quarter
1: is 28-21 when I had checked it originally. But then I think it ended up being 42-21 at the half. So okay. it was kind of already out uh, of reach for Musselman. But definitely a, a surprising game there. Um, you would think that Musselman would be able to keep pace with Bridgeport, especially because it was a different team this year for the Appleman than what had played last year and of course um, Bridgeport had some losses this year that definitely surprised you like the Princeton loss so and now maybe begs the question of where would you put Musselman not necessarily in, in the rankings in terms of where their rating will be but in power rankings and, and who you think are the I guess top four teams or so in the state and you know at one point I thought Musselman had a chance to be that team but I just I don't know I mean it's still a really good Musselman team but they maybe not be among the elite teams in the state this year right. but also I mean Bridgeport's a quality team so you can't really I guess blame Musselman for losing because at least they've played you know a tough schedule yeah. and have challenged themselves throughout this season at the very least
3: yeah you can't forget that Jefferson only lost to Musselman my one point in week two of the season I believe week two yeah. or three
0: that that was a great great game that came down to the wire there I believe that right. Musselman it was at the end of the ball game that Musselman won the game my memory serves me correct uh Spring Mills stays in somewhat contention at 4 and 5 gets the victory over Alec gallatin out of Pennsylvania 35 to 7. Uh that one we really didn't know much about. Don't believe Nick, i don't believe you had score updates throughout. I did not know. Uh it was uh, in Pennsylvania, but that keeps them relevant this week and if they take down University this week, it could potentially get them in. They could. I have to think, yeah. yeah. And, and we'll be there for that game Friday night as University is coming in to take on Spring Mills. 5.30 pregame, 7 p.m. kickoff uh, with Martinsburg pushed to Saturday now. Uh, but that keeps them relevant this week with a win at 4-5.
1: I think at the very least it shows the improvements that Josh Sims and his program have made because last year you lost to Albert Gallatin. I think it was 15-7. to seven. Yeah, And then this year you go in there and you beat them and you handle them pretty well. Uh, not even a close game. So that shows how good this spring mills team has been and how much improvement it has made uh from last year to this year and the cardinals are right there you know could again they could have two more wins on the record but just came up short in some games so uh that's unfortunate but still a chance here at the playoffs it'll be a tough challenge but at least you're at home for university and you got a small chance at the playoffs, I think that's nothing more you can ask for if you're Coach Sims at this point.
0: Yeah, especially considering all year he's, t- you know, they missed. If the few, very few seniors they had, they missed for a few weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't have a lot of yep. senior leadership there to help the young players. And now here they are with an ability to finish the season at 500 and potentially slip into the playoffs at 16 uh but your we're uh, talk uh, Washington they get back in the win column again 35 to 3 victory over Hampshire Washington now 2 and 7 Hampshire 3 and 6 uh, i think this is a big win for Washington uh to kind of keep the players keep things going at Washington cuz it was a, it was been a rough ride this season for a team that wanted to go 8 and
3: 2 yeah they needed some positive uh something positive there towards this end of the season like you said they wanted to go eight and two and with Jefferson coming up this Friday chances are they're gonna end up two and eight instead yeah. so uh, they needed something to kind of get things right Hampshire being a double-a school that was a good t- uh, good point in the schedule for that game to be so that they have something towards the end of the season to build on for next year and obviously it's it's a it's it's tough for them they have the smallest roster on of any school in the EPSO, they have the least amount of guys to, to draw from. And that's just kind of the natural conclusion of it is a lot of times you don't have as strong of a team as the other schools.
0: Yeah. That's what we see there. Uh but let's look at some other matchups around the state. Number 1 Huntington handles St. Albans 70 to 7. Number 2 Hurricane handles South Charleston 69 to nothing. Both teams are going to do battle this week. It's going to be a big matchup around the state this week, but both teams get easy wins as as expected in week 10.
3: Absolutely. It doesn't get it doesn't get much bigger than that. I mean, the winner of that game is going to go into the playoffs as the number 1 seed and be guaranteed home home field advantage throughout the playoffs before they get to the state championship, assuming that they are able to win all those home games.
1: Yeah. I mean I don't really don't kind of just <laughs> summarize it there don't have much to
0: add. Uh yeah. number seven Wheeling Park falls to number two Park South, but we're kind of keeping ourselves updated on that game. That was a very interesting game for some time. We, Final yeah. score thirty two twenty seven.
3: Yeah Wheeling Park was winning for a good portion of that game. That was a big game for Martinsburg Because yeah, because game
1: for Park South.
3: Right. It was yeah. But in terms of the relating it to the Eastern Panhandle, it was a big game because it likely meant that if Park South were to lose, Martinsburg had a shot had a shot to jump up to number two after obviously one of Hurricane or Huntington is going to lose on Friday. Right. They had a chance to jump up number two and have that also have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But now they're going to need a team like Park South to either lose this week against a an unranked team or to lose before that state semifinal
1: which i think could very well happen well i think park south is a good team i just don't know if they're good enough to make the run to the semifinals uh they have some quality wins but haven't really faced you know the top teams in the state and you see wheeling park Who I know at number seven is a good team. At number seven, they have some quality wins. Have played a tough schedule, Uh, but still, you know, just barely slipping by that week. Uh, A few weeks ago, just barely slipped by again. So they're definitely a vulnerable team uh, that you could see having an early exit. Even if Parkersburg South is the number two team in the state, there's no guarantee they're at a semifinal trip. I think for them, I I could see them getting upset maybe in the second round, uh, depending on who they draw.
0: Yeah. Uh number six, George Washington handles handles Capital thirty four to six. Number seven, Spring Valley gets a twenty six ten win over Parkersburg. I think that was close for a while. Was that right? Yeah, for a little bit. It was close. I remember glancing down at the scores a little bit uh during some commercial breaks. Number ten, Princeton gets a forty eight to eighteen win over Greenbrier East. Uh then another matchup as number fourteen Morgantown defeats number 11 university 21 to 20 so an upset by technicality in the mohawk bowl both teams now six and three
3: yeah that probably helps out it it would have helped out spring mills more if university won so that university was higher ranked going into this week but it still would be a big upset for spring mills and to potentially catapult them into the playoffs with a win yeah and then helps the musclement a little bit yeah yeah,
0: and then number fifteen Woodrow Wilson gets a twenty-one to seven victory over number sixteen Oak Hill, which will likely force Hedgesville to be able to get that sixteen seed as we speak right now. But uh, it was a good week in high school football, and then this final week coming up. Uh, Martinsburg, we'll have the final game in the state, I believe every other game is scheduled for Friday, except for that game, which will be Saturday. We'll have that for you. I believe it's a noon kickoff, 1030 pregame show.
1: Parksoft does have a ranked team this week. Don't they at Princeton?
0: Yeah. Oh, that okay. is, that is, that was, okay. that's what I, I was looking at that last night, but some of the big matchups this week, um, I don't, there's not, I mean, obviously Huntington Hurricanes, big, uh, good princeton park south princeton park south musselman parkersburg kind of big i mean four and five six and three could be big if parkersburg wins Uh, it it would be interesting to see how that happens but park south princeton and then university spring mills which you can hear on talk radio wr and TV 10 and then uh george washington Woodrow wilson also an interesting game and then wheeling park john marshall those are kind of games that aren't... Jefferson County rivalry. And then the Jefferson County rivalry, Jefferson yep. hosting Washington this year.
1: Last year had a whole lot more on the line there. If Washington would have won that game, probably see the Patriots in the playoffs at 6-4 and four a year yeah. ago. But uh, this year just not as five. much uh, significance.
0: All right, that'll do it for this first segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parsons Ford. Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg, we became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. We'll be back. Talk Shepard. They get a big win and clinch the East Division and some more accolades coming down for Tyson Bajan. Talk about that when we get back.
2: My surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard spot. You're tuned into the sports mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10.
0: Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Dylan hanging out with you today as Shepard Football gets another win. And that win gives them the PSAC East Division, which was one of the things they set out to do before the season, as always, as a goal to win the, Easter, the division to be able to get to the conference championship game, something they couldn't do last year. Uh, but... What? I've never done. First yeah. time ever. I don't know why yeah. I didn't turn your mic on. I think I double-clicked you your like mic. You don't I don't think like I double-clicked your mic.
3: All right. He just wants to talk to me today.
0: Tyson Bajant, 32-36, 310 yards, five touchdowns. Very efficient for him, which wouldn't be surprised if this afternoon we see another PSAC East Offensive Player of the Week. Or you give it to Ronnie Brown. 12 carries, 120 yards, a pair of touchdowns. He goes over 1,000 yards on the day, 1,051 now. Uh, but really the story of the day is Tyson Bajant. As always, he broke the NCAA Division II record for most games, gaining 200 or more yards at 44. The old mark was 43 by Jimmy Terwilliger, who was the quarterback at East Stroudsburg from 03 to 06. Is now their head coach. We'll talk about him a lot more in the coming days. Uh, And the record for most career games with three or more touchdown passes, which is 31, the old mark of 30 by, once again, Terwilliger. Uh, He needs 146 he, or he has 146 career touchdowns, and needs three more passes to break the record held by Terwilliger at 148, which he'll likely get this Saturday when both teams square off at East Strasburg, a 105 kick. Unfortunately, we can't bring that game to you due to the Martinsburg, and it was going to be tough to bring that game anyway because East Strasburg didn't have room for us, Nick.
1: Yeah, we could have brought it like we did the Westchester game it was maybe a possibility there uh, for East Strasburg, but um what was i gonna say oh yeah tyson i mean almost 90 percent completion percentage in that win so i said this to travis you know after the game when he was handing out his player of the game awards and we talked about ronnie brown's performance of course as well uh, with his all purpose yards and everything he was able to do but if you throw for almost 90 percent completion percentage and five touchdowns i mean you're not only or you have to be the player of the game and and with that as well I think you have to be the player of the week yeah in the uh PSAC East division this week so he'll get that again but um you know it it was a game where Shepard hit right on what I put him at I put him at 55 points over under for their total (laughs) and they hit right at 55 so uh you know did what the Rams were supposed to do in that game um again I think the big thing is that you clinched the PSAC East division. So, this East Strasburg game is still very important because you want to be the number one. So, you definitely are going into it trying to win. Um, but again, you should take care of business that week. And Tyson Bagent could very well throw those three touchdown passes to break the record or tie the record. And, uh, and would four break would break, right?
3: Two right. to tie, three to break. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, he'll probably do that, but he might not. You never know, they might have a heavy running attack of Ronnie Brown, and then we get to call the game where he breaks the record. But obviously, I want to see Tyson do that um, sooner rather than later, and you know, good win for Shepard, and just continue to do what is expected of them. The real crazy thing is what happened in the West Division on Saturday. Gannon defeats IUP to now make it a three-way tie for the West Division. We found out Uh, based on the tiebreakers that IUP is still hosting the PSAC championship game because the West hosts this year so if they win on Saturday and it's still a tie, IUP holds the tiebreakers but kind of crazy there that Gannon pulled off that upset because I didn't really see that coming I thought IUP was going to easily roll past Gannon and and Clarion but this is a much improved Gannon team this year Uh, but again, Clarion's the opponent for IUP so it's like Probably won't matter. They're probably going to win and uh, play host to Shepherd. Unfortunately, Shepherd's going to be undefeated and have to go on the ro- road as the un- only undefeated team in the PSAC. which is because of how the Piac yeah, does things the championship. Work, still,
0: next year it's every other year that the West and East Division. So, yeah, didn't get it this year, but another win for Shepherd on their continue. They're trying to get to the NCAA Division Two Championship. Nine and zero on the season. Uh, with a 55-10 to 10 victory over Bloomsburg on Senior Day, Military Appreciation Day.
3: Yeah, it was good, good win all around, really. The running attack has just been really, really good for Shepard to go along with Tyson Bajan and all those wide receivers. Uh, the big thing to watch out for will be that Ryan Beach was injured in this game. He sure. went out with an MCL injury and did not play the second half, spent the second half on the sideline in street clothes.
0: Yeah, I talked to him Saturday at the uh, Once a Ram, Always a Ram event, and he's hopeful. He's just got to, you know, I think he's going to find out a lot more today at, at a doctor's point, one would assume, because uh, he said he's he's still trying to figure out what the timeline would be. But that's that's big. But also, in a way, it it's like he did so much last year that the defense has caught up to him.
3: Yeah, I feel like he's he's kind of
1: been injured all year. I don't know if that's true or not, but we know that he missed the scrimmage. Yeah, So there was something at least bothering him at the beginning of the season. Um, But I'll say this, too. Ryan Beach is a dynamic player that Shepard obviously wants to have on the field. But the wide receiver position is where Shepard has the most depth. So you never want to lose a weapon like Ryan Beach. But again, you have other guys that can... You know step in and fill yeah fill that role to an extent but obviously you want ryan beach out there and you want him healthy
3: yeah cam dorner really stepped up yeah, he's on, he on saturday really well. and played really well he hasn't and he has been so that i mean a guy a freshman to be able to do that
1: max fisher made a big few big
0: catches too i feel like
1: yeah he made one or two grabs in there uh as an underneath route guy but he's not the same type of player that beach is so that's the one thing that they will be missing both dorner fisher and those other receivers they're good uh, downfield guys or, or underneath guys to an extent, but what Ryan Beach does is he's able to catch the ball underneath or in traffic, make two or three guys miss, and burst out of a play. And it doesn't have to be a big, deep, long pass for him to gain 60 yards all of a sudden, Yeah, uh, which he hasn't done as much this year, but I, I think it's a little bit of everything. He, he might have been dealing with an injury, might have been dealing with uh, defense is just keying in on him um but
0: one guy that you really, hope he can
1: get back as soon yeah. as possible
0: one guy that i don't i don't necessarily know that he came in because of that or it, they just had him they, they just wanted him to play more uh made four catches was rodney dorsey he's been mainly i feel like a special teams guy this year right right nick
1: yeah i mean he started his career as kind of a bigger part of the offense but had some injuries uh that kind of slowed him down he's pretty much just been the punt returner so Dorsey is kind of more similar to Beach in terms of the slot. Uh, obviously, good speed as a punt returner, um, shifty kind of guy that could definitely fill that role to an extent. Uh, but like I said, you want Ryan Beach out there if you can have him out there.
0: And it was, a—I mean, when you look at things overall, it was a great day for Shepard uh, when it comes to total numbers. No loss rush yards at all throughout the day. The only two were the two kneel downs at the end of the ballgame. They had as a team two for negative two yards uh but then he Tyson Bajan does what he's been doing lately is spreading the ball around Alfonso Foray five catches 62 yards a touchdown Cam Dorner five catches 52 yards a touchdown Ronnie Dorsey four for 44 Marlon Cook six for 44 Ronnie Brown five for 44 Brian Walker three for 33 so getting a lot of guys there up over 30 yards
3: yeah, can I give you a couple more uh, updates on the record chasing for for Tyson sure. Agent?
0: Do it. Let's do it.
3: So, he's not only he's not only 2 away from tying the record for the Division 2 touchdown passes record, but he is only let's see, that's 9 away from the record for any level of college football that is held by Alex Tanny of or excuse me, 11, not nine. He's 11 touchdowns away from tying Alex Tanney of Monmouth for the record of wow. touchdown passes on any level of college football, That's Monmouth big, being man. Division three. He's 939 yards away from breaking the D2 yards record, passing yards record, and he's actually 20 yards closer to breaking the total yards record that are both held by Alex, by, uh, excuse me, Bo Callum of uh, Tusculum College.
0: Hmm. Still in the stats, Good old Tusculum College. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been checking. There is no AFCA coaches pull out yet. There is no Super Region one rankings out yet, which one would presume in the next few hours those would come out because they did come out last Monday. Uh, but we'll keep uh, we'll keep an eye out, and see what those are. We'll talk about those obviously on the show tomorrow. You can head out to the Neon Moon tonight, six to eight for Monday night. May M. We'll have Coach McCook, Tyson Bajant, and I believe, don't quote me on this, we're, it's not official yet. Dwayne Grantham, we're looking to get him on the show, uh, which would be cool to have two another another set of Martinsburg guys on the show, as we had Ty Lucas before. Uh, so you know, bringing those Martinsburg guys on the show, and I'm still, yeah, and I'm still sorry. Yeah. And just quickly
3: mention another Martinsburg guy. I can credit Ezra Bagent with alerting me to look up the uh, record for touchdown passes on any level of college football. There,
0: there you go. Uh, let's move on now West Virginia they fall to the number seventh ranked team in the country TCU 41 to 31 they were in this ball game for a while
3: yeah they they almost were able to pull it out TCU is a really good team they have just played really well this year Sonny Dykes uh, ever since he's taken over for Max Duggan's back. a great quarterback. Yeah.
0: 341 it, yards, three touchdowns, 16 to 20. He did have a pick though. And then on the ground, Kendry Miller, 12 carries one hundred twenty yards. It's 10 yards a rush right there.
3: Right. And that's kind of been the, the calling card of a Sonny Dykes offense has been the, the quarterbacks just always put up ridiculous numbers. He did it a lot at S SMU and, uh, Cal before beforehand there when he was coaching guys like Jared Goff, uh, so, yeah, TCU, they've really gotten things going since Gary Patterson left, and they are on track. They can win the Big win the Big 12.
0: Yeah, they, they, they could there, and that'd be big because, you know, them at the seventh ranking. I was reading that right now they're the first two out, according to a lot of people out of the playoffs, which will get the first college football player rankings, I believe, tomorrow night. Uh, some West Virginia numbers for you. JT Daniels, 23 of 39, 275 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. C.J. Donaldson, 19 carries, 104 yards, averaging 5.5 a pop with two touchdowns. Unfortunately, he did go out injured, and he was, quote, not good according to Neil Brown, after the game in the press conference. Sam Jones, six catch – Sam James, catches six catches, 95 yards. Bryce For Wheaton had three for 51. Reese Smith had a touchdown along with uh, Justin Johnson, Jr. Garrett Green had two catches in this game. How about that? It's weird. Yeah. I didn't get to watch most of the game as the Shepard game was on. I did tune into it later to see when I thought Salt's was close. Uh, Monday, the Big 12 – today, the Big 12 announced that uh, – West Virginia-Oklahoma, that game at uh, Mountaineer Field on November 12th will be a noon kickoff, and it'll be on FS1 also on the Mountaineer Sports Network. You can hear right here on Talk Radio WRNR. It'll be a 9 a.m. pregame show. Uh, but that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just some an store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding, outdoor living as family-owned and operated right here in Martinsburg at 360 Hack, Wilson Way, in Martinsburg. You can go to Orsini's.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll talk NFL, Commanders, Colts, it's an interesting game. We'll get into that. Steelers at Eagles. Steelers fall big, heading into their bye week. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're tuning the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV Ten.
2: Now back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR one hundred six point five FM AM seven forty and TV ten.
0: Washington gets the touchdown there on that final one of the final drives of the game under 30 seconds left. Uh, Taylor Heineke finds Terry McLaurin at the goal line, so oh so close to getting that touchdown. But then Taylor Heineke does what he does best; somehow he runs the ball. Somehow he, they, if you watch that from the from the the field goal post side, they literally just parted the red sea for him. The lineman just forced their their guys over, and it was just a big hole for him to go in there. But the Commanders get the win over the Colts, seventeen to sixteen, and it wasn't pretty, but it's a win. Gets the Commanders back to five hundred three in a three in a row. Taylor Heineke, twenty three of thirty one, two hundred seventy nine yards, a t- one touchdown, one pick. He also led the way in rushing with six carries, twenty nine yards, and that touchdown. Curtis Samuel, four carries, twenty nine yards. Uh, Brian Robinson had twenty yards and. Gibson had 19 yards, but Terry McLaurin, six catches on her, 13 yards. Antonio Gibson, five catches, or excuse me, seven catches, 58 yards. Curtis Samuel added three catches for 50 yards. So uh, Curtis Samuel was all over this game, 79 total yards on the day. Uh, But the commanders now four and four and three game win streak.
3: And they really need it because of all the divisions for them to be in at four and four. There's some divisions where I mean they'd be tied for first place now, like the, with the NFC South. But then you have a division where the Cowboys and Giants are six and two, and the Eagles are still undefeated, and it's, it's a tough break for them. But I mean, obviously, that was a you know they got the win. The Colts have struggled. Sam Ellinger getting his first start. Uh, it was kind of a rough going for the Colts. To be able to do much of anything, their offensive line has not been nearly as good this year. And take that that they have a less mobile quarterback, or they did at least in Matt Ellinger Ryan Ellinger's not right. M- Ellinger, that's his that's his whole thing for them is, is going to be his mobility. Yeah, but Jonathan Taylor has not been able to get nearly as much going uh, this year, partially because he's free but also just the offensive line is not moving a lot. A lot of the running game on any level of football is. Offensive line oriented. If you have a really good offensive line, you can put a lot of different running backs behind it and get some good yardage. We see that with like the Ravens, with how you know Kenyon Drake or Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins can be back there, and a good offensive line can make the difference.
1: Yeah, but obviously those uh, you know elite running backs will make those extra moves or those extra reads on a run, right? Where just an average running back wouldn't turn a, as Coach McCook would say. An ordinary play into an extraordinary play that's what you see uh with the with those elite guys yeah. but
3: maybe jonathan taylor just not that guy
1: i think he is i just think that their <laughs> line just isn't as good like you said and obviously an offensive line play uh, has a lot to do with it and the commanders that's kind of my concern if you're moving forward obviously a win over the colts it's a good win because you needed a win uh but the fact that they really haven't had much of a rushing attack has to be a concern and offensive line play has been a big play or a big, big part point. of that I should say this year when your two lead running backs combined for just 39 yards and as a team you run just 3.4 yards per carry that's a concern moving forward but you found a way to win and that's kind of what Taylor Heineke has been known to do uh, at times is just even if the game's ugly if you're still in it he might get you an upset or or just a last second win there like he did this past weekend um, because you look at the numbers, and obviously it's not a super impressive victory for Washington, but uh, the defense played well. Yeah. And you found a way late to pull it off. So the Commanders are 4-4. Four and four. We knew heading into the season two that this is the weakest schedule in the NFL, at least in terms of how those teams performed last year. So there's a chance that this could be a wild card team. But the NFC East has obviously overperformed based on a lot of people's expectations. So now games against the Giants and the Cowboys—well, the Cowboys were expected to be good, I think, from some people—but still, uh, those games are much tougher than they were uh, in the preseason. Yeah. And the yeah. Falcons have now kind of played well, and there's some decent teams still remaining on this schedule. So we'll see where Washington ends up. But uh, got that. Got took what a game that we expected them to win heading into it and found a way to win late after really not doing anything throughout the majority of the game.
0: And you know, you see a lot of teams in the NFL, you know, you know, middle of the pack teams that pull out wins like the 17, 16, 17, 14. And the commanders did something like that. Finally, where it wasn't just a field goal. All they scored was field goals. Like it, they had to go down the field and drive down the field. And they were down 10 points at one or nine points. It was eight points at one point. Um, but, uh, they get the win and defense, which was I was kind of scared about because they're without Cole Holcomb, their line their middle linebacker that calls the plays. They put the red dot on uh Cam Curl, the safety. They moved him all around yesterday. He played great. Uh Jamin Davis, who is underperformed overall in his career, made some really good plays yesterday. John Allen doing great things as always. Um as well as Duron Payne and Montez Sweat getting things going down on that defensive line. But Derek Forrest made a big play that caused a fumble. Um, it just seems like the defense, not great at times, but great at times as well, gets the win for them. Uh, they're at 4-4, four and four, and right now they'd be the last team in the wild card, a team that usually is in the playoffs, not going to be this year. The 2-6 and six now Steelers, 35-13 loss to the Eagles and uh, just can't get anything going there. It's definitely a rebuilding year for the the Steelers. Comments on the Steelers before we hit the break.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I think Kenny Pickett hasn't been horrible or anything. I think the concerning things, though, are that George Pickens didn't have any catches in this game, and it, uh, Najee Harris was eight carries for 32 yards. They're getting T.J. Watt back soon, though, so I feel like help. they
0: need to run the ball more. Hey, Chase Claypool, he threw a touchdown pass to Derek Watt. He did. That, yeah. that tied the game, I believe, at seven, right? Not Yes, I think it tied the game at seven in the first quarter. That's the only touchdown pass that was thrown in the game.
3: Yeah, and obviously the Eagles are just really good. They are. <laughs> they are <laughs>
0: good this year. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. Brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On the side of this break, we'll wrap things up on today's edition of the Sports Mix. Be
2: close.
0: Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WR and TV 10, brought to you in part by the Marriott's Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343. Stop by their offices at 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg. Spencer, Nick, and Dylan hanging out with you today. Colin getting the midday off. We'll see him tonight on Monday Night Mayhem Live 6-8 from the Neon Moon. Shepard Rams head coach Ernie McCook. Quarterback Tyson Bajan and most likely linebacker Dwayne Grantham be on the show. We'll break down last week's win, talk some Monday Night Football and some other stuff around the NFL. Uh, what do we want to do, guys? we want to talk Wizards caps or do we want to talk NFL for those last couple of minutes? It's something about the NFL. Let's you know, We'll talk about caps and Wizards tomorrow throughout the week, uh, but when you look back at last week, uh, not a lot of big games, not a lot of big wins yesterday.
3: Some yeah, I mean,
0: Disappointing games.
3: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Seahawks. I think is probably the biggest one that sticks out to me. Yeah. they beat the Giants twenty-seven to thirteen. Geno Smith has legitimately been a top ten quarterback in the NFL this year. It has been a incredible career resurgence for him, and I'm, I'm happy to see it because not everyone gets those second chances. And I think he was kind of he was kind of uh, cast aside kind of early on, probably pre when he was just kind of relegated to being a backup for guys like Eli Manning, when he was probably a better quarterback than Eli at that point yeah. when they were both on the Giants. Because that was... The, Maybe. The tail end of Eli Manning's career was pretty rough there. So now, I mean, the Seahawks are 5-3. and three. There's not really any other team sticking out a whole lot in the NFC West. Obviously, it was a big win by the 49ers against the Rams this week. But, the, I mean, the Rams the rams are a lot worse this year matt stafford's on the decline and jimmy jimmy g's he's not serviceable that. yeah he's serviceable and that's it McCaffrey throwing catching and passing a touchdown
1: first time since 2005 wow but um what i was gonna say was with geno i guess i think pete carroll's really you know give him credit for, as a coach i think he's coached up geno to make him a better player and yep. also you gotta look at it too they have a lot of good weapons there in that offensive lockett and dk metcalf and of course uh kenneth walker the rookie running back has really shined for them so i think gina's really in a perfect situation there with a good coaching staff and, and good weapons around
0: them afc north battle tonight on monday night football Bengals at browns Bengals favored in three by this one i got the Bengals winning it tonight you guys quickly hootie up
3: Come on, we got got five seconds. I got the Bengals,
0: the Browns. All right, you can tune into that after Monday night. Mayhem set. That'll start at eight p.m. So for Dylan, Nick, I'm Spencer. Saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow.